Welcome to Research Conversations Podcast with host V. Vale, brought to you by Research Publications and Books. Today's guest, musician Mike Watt. Welcome to the Counterculture Hour. I'm your host, V. Vale. I've been doing counterculture publishing since 1977 with Search and Destroy and then later with Research in 1980. And today we're extremely privileged and happy to have with us Mike Watt from San Pedro, California, and he's, I've seen him most lately with several Iggy Pop touring band shows, but then last night a dynamite set with Tab Falco, and Mike Watt plays bass, as you will find out, and uh, so welcome to the Counterculture Hour. Very kind to have me aboard. (laughs) Thank you. Ah, you're so quiet. Ah, I thought you would be really ebullient and loud, but then you've just played, what, 19 shows in 20 days or something on a tour spanning from New York to San Francisco? And you said that was one of the heaviest tours. It was. uh, I really wanted to do good for Tav Falco. Been a hero of mine since, like I told you, behind the Magnolia Curtain. Couldn't believe I got asked to be part of something like that. Of the last two years of the Stooges, I got to work with a drummer man named Larry, and Tab was asking for recommends, and he was my first call. I got to do it, so I also got to play with him. Uh, any hardship I faced was well worth it. And you know, uh, working in a salt mine is probably a little harder, or a, sp- a sponge diver or something. So. Uh, Got to keep perspective on that. It's well worth the toll. And you oh, swollen. Oh wow, swollen fingers! I never thought about that. Oh yeah, he even got a special bass. He asked me to get acoustic kind of bass, and so I got one of these uh, Hofner from China for two hundred seventy dollars. They, they called a Beetle bass. Hofner. And uh, little strings and flat wound since I, I ain't played since a teenager, and uh, the whole uh, no no amp. I traveled around using other people's stuff. Yeah, it was a very interesting tour. With the, the suit. Good. Well, you said that he made <laughs> the you... The pointy shoes. Yes. Well, he, he asked of me, let's not, not put too much of an armband around his... <laughs> you mean arm? <laughs> what do you call it? Twisting your arm? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a small... I mean, Perry had me wearing a dress for porno, for pyro. Oh, really? And, uh, I remember uh, getting the call from Ig. You mentioned Stooges and Ig. And, uh, I was with my second man. I was in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. I think it was called the Cow House, the second one. And there's the phone call. What, Ig? So I pick it up, and it's Ig, and he says, Mike, Ronnie says you're the man, which I couldn't believe ever wow. hearing something like that. And he said, but would you do me a favor? Would you wear a T-shirt instead of a flannel? <laughs> I said, you know, it's John Fogarty's idea anyway. I mean, I said, what about Levi and Converse? He said, that's strong. So I was like, whew. And we talked about, you know, lighting on the stage and him having nightmares about the drummer and Lime Green and the bass player and Bright Orange. And, so. and then finally we got to the music. And he says, look, however we end the songs, that's how we end them. Oh. And so two weeks later, I left my guys in Memphis and flew out to Coachella. It was the, oh. that festival in the desert, 2003. 
and I got sick on the way. I didn't oh, tell him on the flight. Yeah, but that gig, it blew well, the wind blew Ronnie's amps over, but it blew that sickness out of me. I rejoined my guys in Raleigh and did uh, twenty nine straight gigs. Wow. Uh, and then for 125 months, I got to surf with them in that classroom. Very interesting. Finally, the youngest guy in the band. And uh, my ears the size of elephants, like sponges soaking up everything. Interesting, you know, Ig with culture, Ronnie with history, Scotty with nature, Brother Steve with politics. Great, great. I never had an older brother. And it was the stooges. We wouldn't even have our movement without that man. Can you imagine? That whole thing. So I went through three kinds of outfits with him. First, the T-shirt, and I wore a different one for every gig. Oh. And then, uh, I don't know, after about four years, he calls me up and says, Mike, what about these boiler suits, you know, the one piece that got a lot of pockets? And So I wore a boiler suit. And then Ronnie passed away. And so he told me about flannel. Now, flannel is actually... A kind of cotton that's brushed. This is plaid, so a, a flannel can be black. So I wore black flannel for three oh. years in honor of, of, of Ronnie. No, there's fourth outfit because after that James Williamson, right? And uh, I thought after three years maybe come out of mourning. And then mm. I thought, what color should I do? And I looked in the mirror and I saw my hair. I said, oh, gray. So I got Dicky work. Shirt and pants, and so those are my felt far outfits for me. Wow, uh, yeah, the whole thing about the flannel. You know, when I met D Boom, he jumped out a tree on me. He thought it was one of his neighbors. I had just I had to move from the Navy house into Praj because my pop got stationed up here in Alameda for the Enterprise. Mm. Wow, and my mom was sick of moving. That's the way the Navy was. See, I'm from Virginia, but Vietnam was a lot closer, and you get the mm. orders, you know. Anyway, so we're going to stay in Pedro, and I moved to this proj, a newer proj. D-Boom was an older one. We shared a park, and he was in this tree and playing with his buddies. And anyway, his mom wanted us to be a band. We were 12 years old. Oh, man, so nice. And uh, now there's not, it's 1970. There's not a lot of guns, but there's fighting and stuff. So she wants us in the house after school. And you're going to mm. be the, every band's got a bass player, so you're going to be the bass. I didn't know what bass was. I know we saw pictures on the records, and. It looked like a four-string guitar, actually. Yeah. Uh, only rock band he knew was Creedence. Hmm. And, you know, not rugs like this, but hardwood floor. And not using the album covers, you know, and the grape juice, and you need six quarters on the stylus to keep from skimming little plastic and lame uh, record players. And I can't hear what the bass player's playing. <laughs> I have no idea. what. It... So I thought if I wore the singer's shirts, he would still like me. So that's how I got in. I didn't know about lumberjacks and whatever uh, farmers. I grew up in Nate Housing, but that's how I got uh, into flannel. Our first gig we saw was T-Rex at the Long Beach Auditorium. And we got involved with the movement because that's all we knew was arena rock. Yeah. And we found out about clubs. In fact, our first out-of-town gig was down the street here at Mabuhe. Oh, wow. The first? Out-of-town. Wow. You know, all of it was SoCal. Before that, didn't get paid till our thirty-fifth gig at the Starwood. The whole thing, though, the whole, the whole see, I got into music to be with my friend, but then yeah. we graduated high school in '76, Pedro High, right with the movement, yeah, and also yeah. they let anybody up there. But 
it was you you know this I was very small people hated hated this movement I mean, but you know, like any farmer would tell you, if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. So bring it, right? I put a picture of Dick Hell. I couldn't, that was the other thing I found out about bass later on, was uh, in the hierarchy of things. Yeah, you were like the retarded friend or the right field in Little League, you know. <laughs> and this was, we, the movement meant rethink everything. In fact, there was a yeah. band up here, they didn't even have a bass, they didn't even have a guitar. No mercy. Right. Just a singer. It was anything. It was not a style of music. I kept trying to get that through to people. It was a state of mind. Yeah. But it's hard for them to know. And then a few years later, with the hardcore, with the young, younger shift, they really didn't have the arena rock to react against. That was their first thing. But that's who Minutemen ended up playing for. And so there, there's always this thing, you're so different. But we thought that was the point of the movement. So, uh, that was a long uh, roundabout way of getting at outfits. No, I, I think the, the outfits are much more important than people give them credit to because they just dismiss it with the word, oh, it's just surface. No, surface reflects what's deeper, always. And Richard Hell, you know, I tried to ask him about the clothes and he got really angry on my radio show, yeah. And so I backed off, you know, it was awkward. There was a big silence there. It was like, but he, him making your own clothes, writing what you want on it, it was incredible for us. I mean, we could only do it for a year or two because we got so much from Square Johns, but actually more from rock and rollers. They hated it more than Square Johns. So we thought, well, we'll keep the punk in the head and go back to the high school clothes. And it's funny how the flannel uh, came uh, with the young kids, the hardcore, they some of them liked it, and then of course this uh, industry invented thing called the, uh, you know, the A word, the G word, <laughs> grunge yeah. for the rest of you. <laughs> I know, you were there when the word got fabricated. Well, the first one I think was New Wave, right? Yeah, yeah. They were always trying to do something. With, I mean, ain't that semantics? Maybe that's like a surface thing, like some people dismiss clothes as, but. Yeah, and our town punk was the guy who got in jail for cigarettes. You know, I, I, I couldn't understand why people would call it. Well, wh the first one time we heard about it, me and D. Boone, of course, when we started playing, we didn't write songs. We, there's no culture for it. We copied records. We copied records. The best guy in town was the guy who could play Black Dog the best, you know, whatever. Uh, so we're... Uh, Friend of ours, Mark Weisswasser, we're doing like Tie Your Mother Down and Dust in the Winds, all that ever crap. And it was right before they tore down the Army base to uh, the lower reservation to make a marina there in Pedro, Fort MacArthur. And we take a breath outside, and this guy comes walking by, and his hair's out, and he's wearing a Kotex around his neck, and his name, uh, Mickey B. He's the drummer of the Weirdos. And we, we didn't know, but he says, hey, there's a scene up in Hollywood where people write their own songs. Now, mm. we had read in Cream Magazine about this movement. Didn't know what it sounded like, but saw the wild pictures. Uh, had no idea about any of the ethics or whatever about it. Yeah. But we go up, we see the bags. And mm. the first thing I said to D. Boone without even thinking, it just fell out of my mouth, was, we can do this. Right. I mean, you know, it just, we, we can do this, man. We can... 
these dudes, they, yeah, it was just empowered. Conflict. The Con- word empowered. I yeah. mean, in the bedroom there, just you know, doing the creeds, the T Rex, the Blue Oyster Cult, and all that. And so we, could, it was like building models. Kind of looks like the real thing, not you know. I mean, we didn't even know about tuning. We thought if you played down on the corner and it sounded right, you were in tune. But we didn't know that your down on the corner had to be his. You know, we thought some people liked their strings loose, some liked them tight, you know. Yeah. Music's a lot more accessible now <laughs> to younger people. It's, we didn't have older brothers. We didn't know. We stumbled through the whole... I mean, we were ripe for the movement. But when we saw this, I mean, it just changed everything. So, uh, okay, we got to make up our mind about everything. So first thing was that we're going to split up the world in two categories. There's gigs and there's flyers. Because the gig was such a mind blow to us. It seemed like it was the band. And then, you know, the Germs would be playing, then you know, Pat's there, you could talk with him, and Darby. It was like they, the audience and the people were taking turns. Yeah. Actually, I saw some of these people. My sister brought me to this thing called Rocky Horror Picture Show at the TIFF. Oh, right. And they all knew the words, and people were throwing the toast in the... And they run up there, the time warp, and like taking it over. And they, I saw a lot of women were involved too. I mean, actually, you weren't yes. sitting in the dark in your seat way far away. It was different, a whole different dynamic. So the gig was everything. So everything else you did was to get people to the gig. Mm. Recordings, the spiels, the pictures, anything, everything was flyers for the gig. Uh, and... Uh, from there, it was like, wow, nothing is a priori, mm-hmm. you know? Well, we never thought about that before with the arena rock days. And then all of a sudden, we started looking at those days and those gigs as more like Nuremberg rallies. <laughs> Not to foul any no, waters, I okay? <laughs> I get it. But you were a young man, and what did Boom call? He called the uh, lyrics, this, thinking out loud. Oh, yeah. He th- that's another thing, though. The politics, they can't be. We, we were called actually reactionaries. Yeah, because he wouldn't make a punk band with me at first. When we saw that gig, and I went, and we had a thing called Recycler. Did you have this? Where ads yeah. in the 7 Eleven, mm-hmm. and there'd be things for bands, and somebody wanted a bass. So I mm-hmm. went up to Santa Monica Boulevard and uh, did. Uh, with these people three and a half hours I want to be your dog and I went home and told him about it he said okay I'll make a band with you now we wouldn't write any songs for it we call it reactionaries because something he read uh, all reactionaries are paper tigers or something so um, that only lasted about from 78 to the end of 79 and the real band was the Minutemen he was waiting for that I didn't know that uh, but you know he did that to kind of humor me but that's where we found Georgie you know who ended up being actually the second drummer, but uh, the, where he saw the politics was the way we made a band. He knew this thing about mm. the guitar dominating and being the top of the pyramid. And we learned, when, about me and bass, it was hard to hear what was going on. Like I said, I couldn't hear what Stu Cook, I can hear him now, but in those days. But I could hear bass on R&B. Yeah. U.S. records like James Jameson, Larry Graham, big teachers. Well, the guitar guys, one of the reasons was they played trebly and clipped, so he got into that. He thought if we brought the bass and the drums up equal with the guitar, that's the politics. You know, you show by example. Yeah. You can think out loud with the words, but you got to really show by example. Because it's about power, right, in politics, and how's it yeah. going to be dealt with. Well, cool. how do you deal with it in your band? He thought that. Deboom is an 
interesting man. You know, we're all from working people. His daddy put uh, radios in a Buick dealership. My pop was a machinist mate in the Navy. Charlie's dad worked with, with the, at, at the shipyard, Pedro. None of us are from Pedro. I'm in Portsmouth, Virginia, Georgia, Brockton, Massachusetts, Deboon, Napa, California. Oh, Napa. Yeah, it's funny because people think everybody's yeah. like us, you know. Right. Sometimes that has to happen. So he put the, um, the politics in the band, but mm. we're boys in the 60s where people are taking things into their own hands, like Berkeley Free Speech Movement, yeah. and Civil Rights, mm -hmm. uh, the anti-war. By the time we come of age in the 70s, you know, that's all over. It's... Nuremberg rallies at the Rock Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it was just because the hippie thing lost their humor. I don't know what it was. I blame drugs, of course. Okay, okay. And the, the punk movement just attracted us. It just, it seemed like it, it you know, that they, they let your freak flag fly. Just to quote one of those older slogans that got kind of forgotten. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that two machine gun. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I know, I know in a way it was supposed to be a reaction against that, but in a way it kind of fed us too, us Minutemen, that, that 60s experience. Maybe some beats stuff too, who were kind of apolitical, right? They were more after kicks? Or well, I, I always say that, you know, the, the concept of the countercultural continuum. Yeah. In other words, all those movements, beat, hippie, punks, and Dada, whatever yeah. was way oh, earlier. Yeah. Raymond Pettibone taught me about those. So much stuff and surreal. Surreal. And even futurists. And futurists, exactly. But even before that, what about Walt yeah. Whitman? In the, and, 1855, yeah. putting out his own book, right. 12 poems to try to stop the Civil War. He thought people were going to read this thing at lunchtime and the work or on the farm and like, yeah, fuck it, let's keep it together and Get rid of slavery. And what, 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 uh, you know, obviously it failed, and then it turned into over 400 poems about the, 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 the war and, and the president getting killed. And, but that first thing, there, there, there was last shift, this shift, next shift. I, I saw the continuum. There was a band up here called Black Humor, and I remember a, li a line in one of their songs where the guy, or maybe it's a lady, she screams, the only thing new is you finding out about it. A uh, good line. Yeah, the, you're right. Go, go on with it the, about the counterculture. Continue. Well, it's just like a, an idea that, you know, you you have certain knowledge at any given stage of your existence, but then you realize, wait a minute, I don't know nearly enough, and then you start working your way backwards, looking for. This is a key question I asked real early. What was quote punk before the word was invented for the movement? Sure. And and I also um, would like to discuss with you what punk is now because it's not a black leather jacket. It's not a blue hairdo, even though they look beautiful on girls, you know, the blue hair. Sure, sure. It's not the surface, but yet it is also not not the surface. You know, the surface is important because the clothing is communication. It sure. signifiers. Right. You know, you're you're maybe there's only one person out there in the big crowd who gets it, but then they realize, oh, that's a message to me, kind of. 
You yeah. know, so I don't want to dress like a stockbroker ever or something because sure. it's sending. It's not a message that I want to perpetrate. And I don't want to wear expensive designer clothes because that's also not a message I want to perpetrate, you know, that of conspicuous consumption. Because yeah. I thought punk was an anti-consumer movement to me in a weird... Well, we had no money, so yeah. we couldn't consume. That was we went to thrift stores, and back that's in the true. days when you could buy a shirt like that for five cents to a quarter, yeah. or, or at a garage sale for sure, yeah. there, was a, there was a hierarchy. If we had any money at all to spend... You can probably get the most bank, most for your money, in, in ex- exchanging dollars for goods at maybe a garage sale or a flea market and swap meet. and swap meet. That's the word, swap meet. And last, the last place was the thrift store because they were the highest priced. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> and and that you know when I interviewed the Screamers in oh, in early man. in late 1977 or something, I went to their house. They had like a million records that they'd paid a quarter to a nickel for, they said, and they became later my incredibly strange music book. They're just weird records off the map. You never heard of any never heard of the music, but the covers would often be really great. And you'd say, What is this? And so I think punk was also a search for the weird. Because Absolutely. when we were Whenever we hadn't seen someone for a day or more, we'd try and tell them the weirdest thing we'd read in the National Enquirer or the Weekly World News or anywhere. Those people were very deep. You understand? I come from Virginia, and Pedro's my whole world. It's the harbor. It's 30 miles south of Hollywood. And then I meet these people. You could tell they couldn't fit in with the, the square thing. So, But they had a parallel universe, and actually they were very deep, especially about musical knowledge. Tom Bowles. I mean, Raymond Pettibone plays me John Coltrane. Wow. I thought, I knew he was older. I thought he was an older guy playing punk. I didn't know he was dead. I knew nothing about bebop. You know, and then, you know, he tells me, hey, you know, he left us in 67, but here's his music. More and more and more. He starts taking me to gigs. Mm, you know? Lucky uh, you. Mr. Yeah, Ray Brown, uh, Pharaoh Sanders, wow. Elvin Jones. Yeah. And that... Uh, Al, blind Al Hibbler, uh, exotic things too, like uh, Ema Sumac and little wow. Jimmy Scott and all wow. this stuff, you know. And I could see, and Raymond very shy, not a big talker, you know. You'd have to wait wait around for the thing, but very deep. A lot of these cats, I think, it was incredible. Uh, yeah, they had this the shock thing, and you're right, they were signifiers. They were trying to find people like them, and. Society had judged them out, right? You're, you're out. But it wasn't because of intelligence. Right. And in fact, that's what they tried to put, put on the movement was a bunch of retards and exactly. stuff like that. Exactly, and I said, actually, the punks, I, I countered that long ago. I said, actually, I think the, the punks were the geniuses of the time because they dared to rebel against all the implanted aesthetics because the aesthetics are a control process yeah, by time. which big time by which you're controlled and you don't even know mm-hmm. it you think oh i know what i like no you are conditioned to you're like what it. yeah you got it right so it's like a continuous rebellion all your life kind of and a questioning definitely but i think that's healthy oh, of course it, look i say there's no thought in the absence of um I say the dialectic, but the dialectic simply is a fancy word for 
the instant anyone says anything, you instantly counter it. Not as a hostile act, but just or there's no thinking going on. And then you think about it and, you know, maybe come up with what they call synthesis, okay. you know. Okay. I think a danger of not getting killed young, <laughs> becoming less and less younger. You think you know it. Yeah, yeah so you we don't gotta keep the mind open. Yeah. Once Perry told me he might keep the child's eye of wandering. And he, yeah. well, I don't think he was trying to say be infantile, you know, wear diapers and yourself all the time. But you know, the classroom don't end at sixth grade or twelfth grade or the MFA or yeah, never or PhD, ends. never. And, and and that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really healthy. And the idea that everybody's got something to teach you. Amen, including little kids. That's right. The retards of the world. About, about bass. Mm. You know, humans, the more they do something, yeah. the more and more they do. So more and more notes. But the, our physics, we got these uh, big wavelengths. So actually, you play too many notes, you get really little. So it's always mm. a search for the right notes. Yeah. It's very simple. A guy starting on bass or a lady can write a great bass. In fact, yeah. I just read Stanley Clark saying... Uh, and it, uh, bass solo come on, writing a good bass line. And there is something about it because it's it's econo. You know, you're the grout. You're between the tiles. You're but you, if you use this as an analog to life, it's not about you know. Sure, you're adding to the vocabulary. You don't have to replace words. You can make the vocabulary bigger. But uh, you don't really have to invent to write a good book. New word. I mean, Finnegan's Way, kind of hard to read, but he still uses the same everybody. But how do you use them, you know? And since you're on a journey and the fellow passengers are on a journey, it's a dynamic. It's all shifting. And, uh, yeah, if you're here to learn, then it, it's, it's more, uh, I think, the O word opportunity than the B word burden. Oh, sure. I never think of burden. No, we're here to learn. And we're here to do what hasn't been done if we can think of whatever that might be. And the thing I, I like about music is that, you know, silence is, can be as more important than a note you play. Little pauses, silence, contrast, volume. Decrescendo. All, yeah, decrescendo, yeah. And, it can be really loud. And, the, and yeah, and what you don't play it can be really important. Yeah, we say work in the holes. Ooh, that's nice. Because there was a lot of that in the Tab Falco show. I mean, there was a lot of... I. It was so easy to understand the lyrics at certain points in the songs, which you notice you couldn't understand any of the lyrics of the f previous five bands that played. <laughs> it was just... But Why... Why did that happen? Why did it turn into an orthodox in a hurt? You, you asked that question about today and before. And not to get sentimental or nostalgic. I know we're not here to be Fonzie and Potsy. And I, <laughs> I remember my pop, when that show came on, my pop said, those were not happy days. Yeah, the, the, and, they, and they weren't really like on the show either, no. really. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying, something got lost. You're right. Uh, well, I think people... But you know, I don't think it's a new thing. Because if you think about Little Richard and Tutti Frutti, yeah. Pat Boone sold many more copies than he did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's like 60 years ago. That's true. So it's not a new thing co-opting yeah. situations and just yeah. laming them out. 
and then actually the, the kids get complicit in it without like you were saying before without even knowing yeah because the uh, aesthetic is the control process so you know you got your nice little corral and, and the herd is channeled for example um i've done some of these warp tours you know oh, yeah. cabin i know the guy who started and stuff and i want to try to be relevant and sure See what's up, and he, okay, what you're gonna play this hot topic stage? And I was like, whoa, D Boomin liked it, the hot topic, huh? And somebody that, that was standing there said, No, what hot topic is the name of a store? And I said, Store? He said, Yeah, they're in the malls, people, they have punk outfits and you records, buy. and records. Wow, and I was like, Whoa, so I was, you know, right there on the uh, what do you call that, the cliff of, of, of Shildum. Oh, Sheldon, wow. Well, I was going to be on the hot topic. And they're gonna... Well, you are and you aren't because, A, you're the real deal. B, um, see, I, I know, I'm old enough to know parents who have kids, who, parents who are punks, yeah. who have kids that start punk bands at age 14, 12, yeah. maybe even 8. Yeah. And Hot Topic plays a part there. They, they, they go to the store, they buy the records there, and, the, and they somehow get the virus idea that, hey, I'm young, but I can start my own band. And that's I'm all idea. for that. And me too. And that's why I thought it would never die. I did me think too. it was going to keep the fringe thing. I never imagined. Uh, I think it still is the real yeah, deal. Is. Broadway play of Green Day, right? Oh, there is? Yeah, that's what I was told. Well, they can do all that they want, but I, I, my prediction is as long as kids start punk bands, the the idea, the virus, whatever you call it, is alive. Yeah, I like that you idea, know. too. I like it that you can be old and do it, too. Oh, I love I that. I no, no, but you can do that. that at, I didn't mean no, that well, well, no, Less you, younger. Well, yeah, less younger. Yeah, I, I always say I never... Talking... Here's what I say. Talking about aging... Ages you, <laughs> so right. don't even use the word. Right. <laughs> so, but now, uh, this idea though, if we could pass on to the, we're next trying, shift, we're trying. I love that. Rethink everything. R e, you know, yeah. that's my logo. There's not a way rethink to make everything. Band, right? You can make your punk band any way you want. That's right. You don't and, have to ascribe to a certain kind of formula. Amen. amen. Yeah. I wish that could get passed on to them a little more. Maybe it is, because the very first band that played last night was three young girls from Chico, California, some little place far away. No, my pop grew up in Red Bluff, near there. I don't know that That's area. near it. It's a smaller town. That's why I joined the Navy. Wow. <laughs> to get out of Red Bluff. I don't blame them. It's hot. It's Sacramento really Valley. hot. Yeah, hot. And Chico, it's got a college there. It's kind of a party oh, yeah. school, I heard. I played oh. there a couple times. Oh, wow. It's California 99. Oh, you've gotten to travel the world. If you call a tour right. more than a month, I, I just did my 70th. Wow. It's only 70 more. Well, let me ask you something weird. Yeah. Where, what's the weirdest countries you've gotten to visit in the world as a result of being able to tour in a band like with Iggy or whoever? Yeah. yeah. What's the weirdest countries? I like had? everywhere. Me too. People are people. Yeah. Geography, weather, that's a little different. Yeah. But people are people. I, I think the strangest was Monaco, playing oh for that prince. Oh, my God. But I got to meet uh, the three ZZ Top guys. Yeah, because, I mean, it was a one-town country run by one guy. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of strange. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of money's parked there. Yes. 
And but there's a whole bunch of people servicing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I felt like I was part, part of them. You Even were. There were per uh, capita, there was most Ferraris, Bugattis, and, and this right. Porsches kind of thing. I would say that was the strangest. Wow. But you know, I still haven't played China or India, so that's half the people right there. That's true. The only place in Africa I played was uh, Tel Aviv in Israel. Wow. So I, I have, even though I've played a lot of places and stuff, a lot, in Latin America, only some big towns, like Buenos Brazil. Aires, and Sao, Sao Paulo, wow. uh, Rio, Mexico City, nice. Central America. But that's, it. you know, they got Pan America Highway. I have this dream I've always had, a real American tour, where you, in your van, in the boat, play all them things. All those, you know, Pan -American it'll happen Island. one day. But even though I've done this a long time, I've been to a lot of places. There's a lot of places I still haven't been to. Right on. You know, so the weirdest one I would have to say was Monaco, the way it was wow. set up. And maybe it's kind of a, a shadow of what used to be. Mm. You know, when there was all that little... Grace Kelly and all that. Right, she was dialing him for murder. The, the prince, married to Prince Rainier. Rainier. Right. Yeah. And then she get car wreck car wreck yeah on the windy yeah, roads a, you know what there's a tea house or a garden in her name down there by the casino oh wow yeah the whole thing also but you know the zz top guys <laughs> when we saw them when i think back about arena rock just the three guys playing like you were talking about blue chair there's something trippy about that obviously with us yeah there's more room in the boat we like the trios <laughs> but there's something somebody once told me about um even with a classical band with 100 people? Oh, an orchestra. Orchestra, I'm sorry. Uh, your mind's still only three things at a time. So what are those, what are those three things? Well, it keeps switching. There's oh. be the clarinet with the violin. Oh, oh and that, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's hard to get all them 100 pieces, so your mind takes three at a time. There's something about the three. Three, number th I agree about the number three. Isn't it, it's in that Dante poem a lot. Uh, the oh, is, oh, is it? I didn't yeah, know Yeah, you rhyme that way and stuff. Yeah, I got a real fan of that in high school. And, uh, and wow. actually admonished by an English teacher. You know, that's not a book for a uh, young man. So, of course, I wanted to read it even Good. more. Hey, that, maybe, that, maybe he used reverse psychology on you. You know, in the end, it, uh, for my second opera, I used it to parallel the sickness that almost killed me. I used the inferno for the sickness. What was the sickness I forgot? It was a Lung an thing? infection. Uh, in the taint. Uh, the, the doctor word is perineum. Oh. Probably was from an ingrown hair, but these doctors gave me the wrong pills, like for a VD or something, and it spread it, and I had this thing oh grown. I became uh, septic, you know, 38 days of fever. So I used a, uh, but I live, an intern yeah. actually saved me. The thing blew up, you know. How did the intern me. save you? Because he went right to work. Good. No more pills. Let's get, we're going to cut, Let's cut it know, open. Yeah, and a, like a wire brush. And, Said it ate around my colon like a horseshoe. Luckily, the guys don't have anything there much. And uh, yeah, he saved my life. I put him in the opera. For a, a purgatory, that was the healing. And then Paradise was getting to play my bass and do my kayak. And so I, Mr. Dante came in handy. I was only 42 years old. I had a lot of work to do. I didn't want to die. I, I, I had pictured Dee Boone and my pop and my cat on the bulkhead. I kept looking at that like I wanted. It hurt so much, you know, I want to let go. The, the shakes, the fevers. Mm. You know, and I'm doing everything they said. The last yeah. round of pills was over the phone. The guy doesn't even oh see me. Oh, God. I, so I can't I be am... against all doctors. That, 
But it, maybe but an that intern, intern more, saved you. Yeah, maybe you're more passionate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the guy brings and me less into conservative. A room. Yeah. Maybe he's a punk rock intern. Right. I'm in the place of my opera. I think all life is that. If you don't have passion, I agree. It's over. You're just connecting yeah. dots, sleepwalking. Yeah, you're sleepwalking. No, I agree. So, uh, and that could be anything. It and can, and it can the, change. It can, it can, and it can change. Uh, we were talking about that dynamics. Yeah. Life is a journey. And then there's journeyers alongside you. It's all it's trying to dance on the carpet, getting yanked from under you. Well, well, you know, it all makes sense, everything you're saying, because last night, I never saw you do a bass solo before, ever before, <laughs> but... I said, "Wow!" You know, I didn't ask for that. That was uh, really. It was he, his request. The, I hope he, I hope he warned you. Is going to ask you, Jesus. I'd I hate to no be. Jeez. And uh, well, you pulled it off. You could have been there. <laughs> Larry next was week. getting faster and faster. <laughs> oh well, whatever, whatever yeah. worked. And uh, what he told me was uh, he liked some of the wrong notes. Oh, there are no wrong notes. <laughs> That's what he told me. Uh, you know, he's I talk- incredibly. Uh, Wise guy. Who, Larry? Uh, no, no, uh, no, no, Larry no, is no. also. No, Tav, Tav. Tav. Man. I like that there are no wrong notes, because I would have said he, he hit his share of them, but I realized I was just like listening to atonal jazz, kind of, you know, when he was doing that, like, like it was stretching your mind. He's really a deep cat. I mean, uh, but again, he's, my, you know, what about, I did an interview with the, the guy in a fall, Mark Riley, hmm. and he called him a one-off. And what? <laughs> but one-off's good. Well, oh yeah, one-off can be good. Well, one-off that means you know, like we they, should all be one-offs. That, I think we are born with it. Yeah, that's the goal. Is yeah. somehow we got to get our our voice out because we're actually born with it. We're all individual, but we all need each other to make a. We're social beings. We are. It's this d- dangling duality. Yeah, and that's why we need. That's the, why we need three. That's we, right. need, we need to get and beyond that, the duality always. And that third, I think, is the fabric called the three. Art. Art. Yeah, that's, that's the fabric that's not yeah. non-fascist way of, of connecting us. Yeah, yeah. No boot on each other's throat. Taking, yeah. No, it's a fabric, and that's the three. And uh, beyond good and evil, beyond yeah. you know, ruler and uh, servant, servant yeah. and bot master, beyond yeah. all those di- binary that pairs those dichotomies. Yeah. Beyond three is so important. And if you think of it, born, died. Yeah, and what's in life between? Life is the third. Yeah, well, I always I said for some time that, you know, what's the purpose of living? Well, it it's got to be to not to not only develop all the talents you were born with, but but actually deceptively discovering all the talents you're born with because there's plenty of old people we've seen in the last 200 years in America who they didn't start painting until they were 70. And they say, wow, this is what I want to do, and I can do it. Henson's last 10 years, he only painted his last 10 years. I didn't know that. Wow. He only sold one painting. In his lifetime. He's an incredible fan of art. Look at all the styles he tried. He was letting all the painters teach him. He had an idea to make a little collective there in the south of France. Mr. Gauguin didn't agree. And, uh, but anyway, and he might have had epilepsy. He, I don't think he was whack. Yeah, they think maybe epilepsy. You know, if you had some of them fits. Well, they said glaucoma might have been responsible for the way he painted those 
The rings around the lights. The swirlies around the lights. I like the thickness. I like the Econo. He never used too many strokes. Yeah, Econo. That's a good word. That was a Minuteman philosophy. We got it from the boats, uh, the Econoline van, which, you know, uh, July 14th, 2014, the last one rolled off. 53 years. Oh, no. They quit? Oh, no. Yeah, some other thing. It copies a a sprinter. It's called Transit. But uh, the Econoline. And we came up with this idea. We jammy. I put in a song lyric called uh, "Politics of Time," and, it, and that we go. We jammy Connell. Yeah. Because why should the economics have to dictate? Well, they do. So, <laughs> if you know, if you only have a, like you were saying about the clothes, so much. Well, you find a pad where they cost so much. You don't. St- you know. Well, I can't do it. Right. Yeah. Never. You make it happen. Yeah. He, 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 lots of lateral thinking. Yeah. It doesn't mean always the cheapest, because he kind of yeah. looking down the road. How are you going to get the bang for the buck? Yeah. Not to be the pound foolish penny wise thing. It's oh not yeah. Bad. It's not always yeah. cheap. Some my pop said once, um, buy it right, buy it once. I like that. Yeah. Well, I think working people being econo to begin with, they have to, <laughs> or they're gonna. Yeah, they're going to well, it's run Probably, out. if you're a bass player, it's probably a good idea to get yes. the, the best bass you can. But our bodies are all different, and so a small person might need That's a right. smaller bass than you, right. for example. Right, right. In fact, I have seen you playing a number of different yeah, basses, yeah. and I wondered... Tav asked me to do that, Beatle. Yeah, you said that, and I wondered why you're using that bass. It's much different than anyone I ever played, but I think... Uh, it was almost like Ig saying, would you wear a T-shirt? They wanted to yeah. get me out of my world. Oh, yeah. Which is really healthy. Yeah, it can be. And, yeah. I, and I think, yeah, you know, it's it's not like I pretend to be someone else, but uh, why don't you, uh, you know, just like yeah. uh, instead of sitting there, why don't you sit over here? And, and he's not telling me where to look. He's just saying here's, maybe there's a different perspective over here. That's true. And that's where I looked is. at it. And some people... Would like come up to me and want to defend me, you know? They're 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 trying to change you and, and wreck you, and because this guy in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, told me, I'm worried. I said, What are you getting at? He said, I'm worried about your stature. Stature. I know, I know. It's F that. No, that that's Kenny other Shears people. Really gonna... uh, you guys have to be really careful about other people's looking at you. Yeah. Well, yeah. luckily, I come from the movement when it was very looked down upon. We got kind of you do your yeah. You do <laughs> we your, don't care what people. We never yeah. ask for validation. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. You just had to bring it. Get your conies up to bring it. And if you're worried about pleasing people, no, yeah. no, you don't worry about pleasing or pandering. people. Or no, no pleasing, no pandering. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. these guys are looking out for me because of, of, of a certain kind of. Yeah, and then I got questioned about the, the, you know, give up on the bass. Actually, what do you mean give up on the bass? Well, the one I was using. This oh, oh, the older EDO. one. What did you have before? Well, for gigs, jazz I had to, or something. I had to change for gigs. Less oh. younger hands uh, got oh hurt, God. swollen and stuff. Wow. So I had to go to the smaller scale. So the Gibson yeah. EB3 EBO. Oh. That's what I've been doing since about 2000. But I record with the big ones. Because huh. I'm sitting down. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to, but playing the gigs, I use. I don't record with these short ones, little ones, but yeah. uh, uh, I do use them for gigs. In the old days, uh, yeah, I, I Telecaster with Minuteman and a Fender P before that. Telecaster bass. Yeah, right. It was a '68 yeah. 
uh, Jesus Freak in Koreatown wanted to get out of music and sold to me cheap. I said, sure, it's my turn. Well, it got stole. I was um, on tour in uh, Charlottesville. My sister said, yeah, they broke in your pad. And I said, well, if somebody's playing, it's okay. You know, it's time. <laughs> that happened with two. Like, you, you know what? There was two bases stolen. And one base I got back. Yeah, weird. these kids in Pedro. Hey, Mike, what, will you come watch us practice? And I go there, and the guy whoops out the base. And his daddy was, I don't know, some studies in methamphetamine uh, research or whatever. And they shaved off. And he didn't know. The kid gave it to me. But I ended up using this with the Stooges when all the stuff was stolen in Montreal. Now, the gig wow. right before that, this festival, I mean, I had a screw in there like this holding in this strap. And in the L.A. Blues would be the part where I would fuck the amps. It came out. I was like, how the fuck could that thing come out? And I think she was telling me, what, you got to let go. And that mm. night it got stolen. The whole yeah. truck did. The whole truck but did, yeah. you know what, the next day, some uh, young man from Constableville, the town by Rochester, brought me a 69. His name is Andy, so I called it the Andy base. Uh, Adam Yauk sent me a base. Wow, Beastie, heavy Beastie Boys guy. Yeah. Beautiful man that had to go. I like your philosophy. It's like it sounds positively Asian or Buddhist or something. Go with the well, flow or Taoist. Okay. Taoist. Go with the flow and. To me, it's the most uh, sense makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Scotty taught me about I, I Ching. Is that Tao? Yeah. Well, it's kind of is. Okay. Yeah. It, it's maybe pre Tao. He got me to read this thing, and it was like these things called cones. Yeah, I, I know. I know riddle. it well. Yeah, I, he turned me on. Um, the drummer man in the Stooges. Yeah. I, I have holes in my knowledge, okay. So I'm, I'm trying to learn. And he, he, he got me into that stuff. And yeah, it seemed, yeah, the way. Yeah, the doubt. You Dow, can't talk way. about it, right? Yeah, you can't <laughs> you, talk you about it. You foul it if you talk yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I was doing a gig in San Diego, and this young man said, can I give you something, Mike Watt? And he gives me the one that I'm playing now. I, I said, what's your name? And Dan. So I call that the Dan bass. But see that three basses? Yeah. And, and that went out there. And in fact, I got an email. Some guy in Mexico City said he saw it in a bazaar. And I'm just hoping somebody's playing it. Wow. That, that's all I. So, yeah, you get things, you lose things. Yeah. Uh, they're just things. Yeah, right on. And, uh, yeah, my pop said, a uh, poor carpenter blames his tools. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. A poor carpenter blames his tools. Which kind of ties in with Jeremy Cano, right? But but at the same time, let's say you started to be a photographer. Yeah, it really is a good idea to get the best camera <laughs> with the best lens you can. Of course, because I didn't do that till way later, and I and I wish I had known that. You know, like I should have gotten that's a lot. A lot, yeah, I guess. But to learn that, yeah, I guess. But I wish I'd started with a Leica lens. Well, me with my diaries. You know, I do tour diaries. Oh, and let's I didn't hear about start it. until ninety. I yeah. should, uh, no, 1999. Oh. I should have been doing those from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree. How, what can I do? Wind the clock back? You know, <laughs> dumb fuck watch. Slow learner watch. But well, maybe the same thing with the lenses. You know, maybe that's part of the thing. Better late than never. <laughs> right, right. Do the best you can with what you've with got. you got, right, right. And yeah. then you learn about why you need it. You know, maybe that's, that's important, why you need it. If you, if you hear the should word. Yeah, from someone else, maybe that's dangerous. Yeah, it's it's weird. They're trying to give you a shortcut on the truth. I don't know. Is there any real shortcuts on the truth? Probably not. Maybe not. I, I it's it, 
Yeah, do the footwork. You, yeah, you get the epiphany when the epiphany finds you or something like that. But, you know, you could have easily um, not gotten as good as you did on bass by just... But you somehow listened to all kinds of music all over the map yeah. and integrated it into... You were always listening and, and making it part of your playing, kind yeah. of. And that's... I like that. In other words, I, I love the fact that punk lowered the bar to the ground. Yeah. Anyone can do it. Yeah. You can do it. You don't need any experience. You can pick up a bass and one week later start a band and write some great, simple, classic songs, yeah. stuff like that. I love that. Yeah. But I also think that the more you do something, well, why not try to get, quote, better, unquote? Why not n learn more? It's part of that learning more drive. Sure. Add to the vocabulary. Yeah, that's it, adding to the vocabulary. Because they're all devices to try to get the expression out. That's right. That's part of the threads. And, uh, and the, the bigger the, the, the fabric that, yeah. that connects. Yeah, the bigger... Go to the, you know, whatever, the sorry entertainer. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you're we're all spreading memes kind of yeah, yeah. through the world Absolutely. to other people. We're, we're all, I think the only purpose, or one of the main purposes is to try to encourage other people to be more creative, as crazy as it sounds, Life's maybe. about taking turns. And, you know, encouraging others. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know, to, to really, if you're going to ask somebody to take directions, and you learn to take directions, or if you want an <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, audience, and you learn how to be an audience. Be supportive. You can't learn everything being the boss. Well, there's Surrealist said what what the no Marcel Duchamp said oh, the spec great. the spectator completes the work of art. In other words, the artist didn't complete it. He's, the, he's a great hero. When I Raymond taught me about him, incredible. Yeah, he transcended movements. He did. Yeah, he wouldn't let himself be called a. a, a, a surrealist. He, he was always a, they wanted him to call himself that but he kept refusing he was always on the outside I kind of am that way too a little I understand little. I think it's almost human nature if you're honest with your feelings because yeah yeah you can uh, what can I say um, yeah it turned into the rubber stamp yeah Xerox, it's too easy to cookie cutter which brings us back to punk I yeah. mean I, on the other hand I admired what, like last night, I saw some young people wearing black leather jackets, some very attractive young females, I yeah. might add, and 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 I said, wow, that I first saw that in 1977, 38 years ago, and it still lives. The, some kind of weird power of that look, you know, with the punk hair, sure. all homemade haircut looking. I see and this picture of Mr. Duchamp when he had a blue hair and a star. I love that. He what is that? Like the teens? Yeah, Dada. Yeah, I know. He was way ahead of his time. I used to have that as a poster on my door till wow. it totally fell apart. That that shot of of that hairdo of the star in the back of his head that he invented. Uh, yeah. So yeah. there's a power. You could see the young people being attracted to that. Yeah, yeah. And it still can look great. I mean, you look at them and you think, wow, punk rock. But you don't really know the inside, but you're hoping, okay, rebellion, black humor, anti-authority, you know, trying to not be afraid to do something, you know, that sure. you, that in, inside you you want to do, kind of. You Absolutely. Know. 
but again, uh, they are the next shift. They are. You gotta let go. <laughs> They're the next shift. They're the next shift. <laughs> they are. This shift, there was a shift before us. That's right. And uh, actually, it's, it can be interesting. I mean, you can get cynical and do. Oh, I never get it. cynical. Yeah, yeah. Never. No, great, I avoid great. cynicism. It's great, a disease. Great. Skepticism, I think, helps. Ske- no, I call myself a skeptical empiricist. Oh. An empiricist is just someone who who doesn't have a lot of highfalutin theories about life. You just say, well, what is? I want to know the real deal. You know, I've been argued that the skeptical is uh, actually a liar. What? Because if you were a true skeptic, you'd have to be skeptical of skepticism. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, ooh, games, yeah. skeptical of skepticism. <laughs> yeah, see, you're ooh. not that. You're committed to skepticism. Ooh. Ah, you're a liar. Ooh. Maybe, yeah. I know, we don't want to be liars because I don't think that's what punk was about. I think it was the opposite. Punk really was trying to tell the truth. And, but some of the, and, uh, Mr. Wittgenstein says some of these are word games. No, I like word games, yeah, yeah. by the, the way. Book, the blue book, the blue book. I don't know what that means. But he I'll, wrote these uh, books. It's called Semantic. Oh, Whit- Wittgenstein. Oh, I, now I know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, United. yeah, no, I know. I tried to read them. Very hard to read. Yeah, and I think he was doing that on purpose at the end because it was hard. Yeah, because he got caught up in, like Einstein looking for the unified theory. It was just too much. Yeah. And how do you extricate yourself? Uh, I think yeah. the word's called obfuscate. Obfuscate. And I think he was kind of doing that. He was obfuscating as a defense yeah, mechanism, got, maybe, against his critics or something, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But That's he was on to something about word games. Like, uh, there was, I remember one debate with a man, Mr. Moore, and uh, you know, I know that's a tree, and his argument was, no, you don't know it's a tree. You believe it's a tree. <laughs> See, it's the word game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't, God, we got to use the words until we get the mind-reading thing perfected. I mean, You have to use the words, words but I say that um, words exist on a parallel plane uh, to so-called real life sure. in which we are eating food and putting on clothes yeah. and... Which might not be, you can describe it in words, but it, but, to, you know, to take your shower in the morning, you can describe it all you want, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a different reality than writing about taking a shower. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so much of life is this way. I, I think that's where people get in the most trouble is, is with nouns. I mean, oh, calling me a Naming punk. Things. Calling me a punk. A noun is so static. Well, yeah, I guess I certainly identified with the punk, what I called cultural revolution, yeah. or I called it the international, yeah. because it was international yeah, at the yeah. same time. It was so weird before the internet. It just yeah. people all over the planet somehow got the same idea of yeah. being minimalist and starting all over and not having to, you know, have a PhD in music to start writing a song or yeah. something. You know, it was it was a it was a re it was a re-everything. Yeah. I, I don't like the word revolution because it always meant to me, well, you, the wheel turns around, but yeah. <laughs> somehow not enough progress or change or yeah. something. I never liked that word revolution. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what can replace it. Re-renaissance. You said rethinking. I do think re is a very important prefix. Yeah, yeah. For the future still. Reinvent, reevaluate, yeah, reinvent. Is that for yourself? 
for yourself. You That's know, a key one. Yeah. Reinvent. Like, well, I found out about Dada and Surreal, and, yeah. and maybe we were already doing it, but it was already done, but I think we had to do it for ourselves. Yes. And it manifests itself Differently. in a different way because we are of a different time than those. And our, we have different, as they call them, signifiers. Signifiers. Like, like, like. Semiotics. Uh, yeah, semiotics. Like, like, it's so weird how when the Dottas and Surrealists were doing their really seemingly radical whatever they were doing in yeah. poetry and theater and in painting, painting especially, like painting stuff that you'd only see in your wildest nightmares or yeah. something, or Salvador Dali with his burning giraffe and melting watches, you know, I, I mean... Ants on the piano. Oh, yeah, that's one of the best. That is so creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best. But, but another thing a about... Butt, pieces of the butt held up with them crutches. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And, for bureaucrats or something. And the weird thing about horror movies and nightmares and monsters and all that is it was when that tsunami happened off Thailand 10 years ago or more that you saw these incredible oh, yeah. sea creatures come up. They look like your worst nightmares, but they're real. They're just living at the bottom of the right. sea. They're part of our Odelia. Uh, we're but, just but, unaware. But, yeah, we, they, we must have had some ancestral memory of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's a, it's quite possible. So I, I kind of call myself a punk surrealist. The, the two-phrase answer, because uh, two-word answer, because... I I kind of hope punk will never truly be a hundred percent acceptable to the powers that be. Yeah. And surrealist is my saying. I reject your bourgeois reality. Yeah. And your convention and the lizing of life. And you're yeah. trying to make me a slave to your expensive brand names and all this yeah, BS yeah. everywhere you go in any cultural purview or field. I think you of know. bins in the record store. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look and at all those categories. The punk ones, <laughs> when, when punk first came out at the warehouse or the licorice pizza, it would yeah. be in imports. That's true. I imported from Lawndale, California, you know. That's where the P.O. Box for SST was, P.O. Box 1. Imported from Lawndale, import, <laughs> you know, it's like, why, well, you decided. So They're the way I tour on my own, my own tours with my guys, Mr. Man, Second Man, I do a lot of the driving. And we get to the gig, do the sound check. Yeah. Then I go chow. I don't usually chow with my men. We spend enough time together. Oh, that's smart. Okay. And, uh, well, it's, it's getting to what you're saying about rest and alone. Yeah, yeah. And then I clock in the boat on the back bench seat there. You know, there's a curtain. And they, when it's showtime, they pound on the hatch and they get me. Now, Brilliant. the first couple songs, a little sleepy in the eye. But there's something about taking that rest. Yeah. And then going, I know it. You know, you can't always exhale. You can't always inhale. It's about taking turns. And Amen. you need to be on, you have to be off a little bit. Amen. But you're right, I think that conscious part is always going. The, sub, it, the subconscious. subconscious. Yeah. yeah, it's always solving your problems for you. And you don't even know it. It's like computer, they called it background foreground processing. Okay. And it's always on the background. You just have to throw your problems at it and trust it. And, and it, you often wake up with the answer or... It just shows up. It's happened to me many times. Yeah, I'm, it astonishes I'm a... me every time. It seems sometimes you're pounding on, pounding on. You're getting further, further away from any solution, and then you just let it go. Exactly. What they call it, gestalt or something. It just comes together. Serendipity. Or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or what you said before, uh, epiphany. 
Epiphany. Oh, I'm a fan see, of those. See in the, the statue in the boulder. It ain't been carved yet, but you can see it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Something, it was a yeah, gift. Yeah, yeah. I call it with, you know, because I got a picture taken with the digital cameras because you yeah. didn't have to spend money on film. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, the uh, label gave it to me, and it was like, whoa, right. I can make, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. So That's I, another and thing. And I called them uh, eye gifts. Oh. All I got to do is be ready with the camera. I can't set up nature. I no. can't. Now, what I, do, I started doing, you know, I got a car when I was 16, so I stopped riding bike. Oh. For 22 years, mm. this guy in my town was moving to Atlanta and sold me the 10-speed for 5 bucks, of course. But I remember seeing him in people's pads, his clothes rack. So I'm going to pedal this thing. So crack it on. So I started killing my knees. So I had mm. to alternate that with the kayak because it's only waste mm. up. But still, I'm in there. And we're very early in the morning. It's almost my town. Nobody's up and stuff. That's right. And so, but all this stuff there. So, hey, this t camera they gave you, what? Things present themselves, reveal themselves to you. Yeah. Sunrise, weird thing about Pedro, it's like up here where you can face east and get sunrises. Oh, right? These people, yeah, you I guess guys so. who live here. Pedro's yeah. on a peninsula. We're not on the coast, yeah. uh, west coast, where right here, here's Long Beach. And so we see sunrise, we don't really see the sunset. Mm. And uh, these are amazing to me. Wow. And you know, when you're more young, it's about nighttime life, and you don't yeah. even know morning so much except for work, and right. you know, bleary-eyed. And here I'm starting to embrace it. Actually, that's younger, it's hard to hold pisses. and all that. I just started conking earlier and earlier. Now I only stay up late for gigs. Yeah. And I wake up at four in the morning. Wow. And there's something about being out there on the bike, pedaling, or paddling in the kayak, that, I don't know, it, Remember when you were a boy and they call it playing? You're just out sure. there. Yeah. You're so, I'm not, again, not trying to be infantile and go back no. to the little boy thing, but there's something about that. Now, one of the biggest influences on me way back then was this book called Homo Ludens, which says we're not put here to work. We're not really here, Homo sapiens, to know we are, but, but we're actually here to play. And that's where most art comes from, supposedly, playing. Yeah, but just, just letting the connections. That's come why they call it playing music. Yeah, hmm, you know they don't call it working music. It, it, there's a semantic thing in this racket, uh, music <laughs> racket that really bugs me is when they say rehearse. Man, the hairs. Oh yeah. Up on my, you know the I word really hearse. The hearse is what carries you to the cemetery. Right. And I said, what basketball player rehearses? Yeah. Why are you afraid of that word practice? That makes you sound like a little kid. You want to be rehearsed? I say actors rehearse, you know. Why why can't it be called practice? Yeah, practice. They really most Yeah, it should it's be. Part of the, it should the, be. It's part of the tiara and all this fake royalty thing. You yeah. Let go of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but practice. There's nothing wrong with You know who was into this? I read about John Coltrane after gigs. Really? The well, dude's practicing. This guy met a guy uh Cicada. He's a free sax player. He saw the Hiroshima gig. It was three hours. There's Coltrane out there blowing, blowing, blowing. And he goes back there with his record to get signed. Coltrane's back there with a towel around his head and he's pracking. Then in the Miles Quincy Troop book, Miles talks about him after the gigs going up and practicing. I got a, a video, I don't know, the World According to John Coltrane, and they're talking to the last drummer he's with. Um, God, I met him. He had a turtle show. I'm, I'm, I'm Rashida Ali. Rashida Ali. And he said, and, and this thing, he's like, why did he have to practice so much? The guy was so good. 
and big respect to him, okay, but I'm thinking in my mind, it wasn't about being so good. I think what happened, yeah. maybe, was he would chase down a scale or a yeah. pattern, but that led to other possibilities. So yeah. he had to chase them down. It was like peeling the onion. It wasn't yeah. about being good enough. I got a lot of recordings I found on the internet of him talking. And, uh, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Incredible. You know, he's kind of, you know, North Carolina. Uh, so he's kind of very humble with his his, his talking. Hmm. He always prefaced things like I could be wrong and you know stuff or maybe okay. like they had this um, interview where the guy asked him what's what would you how would you define classical music and he said well I could be wrong but I think that's where the audience sits down. <laughs> <laughs> but he said something that was really interesting. Uh, and he said a lot of things, but this one thing he said I think musicians are after some kind of truth. Yeah, sure. Yeah, emotional truth. Well, music to me is yeah, so is about, about emotion. It's so about emotional states, giving, according, giving our ears a spectrum of content because sound wave content that corresponds to every nuance of every emotion we've ever felt. I mean, it could be part of that. that. That's part of the project okay. of doing music. You know, and, and of course, there's many aspects to music. I, I mean, you do an anthemic song and, and everyone sings along in the audience. They can't even help it. Yeah. Which side <laughs> are you on? <laughs> this, uh, this guy for a couple of years lived in Pedro named Joe Hill. And he wrote mm. these songs for a group called the Wobblies. Oh, I was going to ask because I have a book that thick about him, but I didn't know he lived in San Pedro. I missed two that. Two years. It was right well, before oh, the two Utah years. nightmare. Wow. In fact, this wobbly, I, sh I got to show Tav the, this down Mercado, a little bodega, but the building's still there. Wow. And the clan, and, and this is like 10 years after he was executed, but uh, the, the mm. Ku Klux Klan marched on this building. Wow. Interesting. Not know, in San Pedro. Yes, yes. What? Can you believe this? I, I didn't know there not. was any clan. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you call There's it? Clan west all over. of west of the South. <laughs> Actually, the biggest clan got was in Indiana during the twenties. Bigger oh, than yeah. ever in the South. Indiana. Wow. Yeah. Look, clan is everywhere. Yeah, uh, clan is everywhere. My 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 pops grandfather. Yeah. Okay. Pops grandfather. In Earl, Arkansas. And that that is kind of stereotype. There's a statue in. It's by Memphis. This guy, uh, the guy who started it, he's on a horse. He's on a statue. Oh, Robert. No, no, what's, it, what's his uh, name? The guy who started the Ku Klux Klan. I forgot now. The Bedford Forest or something like that. Something, yeah. And be. like he's a hero. Or <laughs> and then Birth of a Nation. I mean, they're the, they're oh, like yeah. the heroes, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> what, what was his life? Ain't so simple. It's all mixed up. And, and I stuff. know. But uh, I know. Joe, Joe, well, uh, getting to the subject, it was Joe Hill. Uh, made these songs, like when he, his last words was "Don't mourn, organize." You know, and there's something uh, yeah. like you said about anthem. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people are like singing. Yeah. Which we got to be careful with too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's for darn sure. But one thing that seemed kind of anthemic without being an anthem was when Tab Falco talked about basically Snowden and you know the whistleblower. The whistleblower. That was pretty. Ain't a pretty thing. Yeah. Blowing the whistle on the intelligence machine. 
Yeah, that was pretty powerful. Whistle was blowing. For I thought, I wonder if this is going to get national <laughs> meme replication. You know that those thoughts, because because I think. But on the other hand, like in Seattle, the the, the preview of the show says sloppy rockabilly, and Tav really took offense. He wrote back on where it was sloppy. posted or something. He said, "No, provocative honky tonk." Okay, I like that. Yeah, people invent these phrases, they try them out, and we got to count them if we don't like them. Yeah, provocative. Honky so I, I don't think people were uh, expecting the whistleblower last week. I don't. I was. And I was so happy. I said, "This is real punk rock." Now that's my reaction. <laughs> you know, it just because it didn't sound like a Ramones song or something. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> it even had, you know the Muslim rug, right? You make a mistake, you don't make it all perfect. Yeah, and Larry forgot to come in on one part. So. He did. I well, we couldn't tell in yeah, the audience. Right. Well, you don't want to like try to come on like you're perfection anyway. No, no, no. I agree. Yeah. I I agree. And, and that song is powerful. I, I first time I heard, it, I told Tab, man, you wrote a good song there, man. You wrote a good song. Yeah, That's it was right. very important to see the Hollywood bands, you know, in real yeah. life, the Germs X. Dills, yeah, bags, all that was very, Alley Cats. Very important for us to see it in real life. Yeah. But then there was something about getting records with The Fall, Alternative Television, yeah. uh, Birthday Party, and then the music would just blow our minds. But what it was was like permission to let the freak flag fly. Yeah, yeah. Decide everything for yourself on, on this uh, aesthetic thing. Yeah. But in a way, it's kind of a... You know, fighting back against this, yeah, this the control, control process. Things. Yeah, yeah, and we are definitely controlled now by verbal and, once and said, visual uh, self-defense means. Self-defense is no offense. <laughs> Interesting man. Have you, have you talked with that guy? Yet? No, no, singer? I should. He's about seven feet tall. We Great. never, you know, he, we never saw him. We only knew him by the records. Right, I never He's saw this him. Giant guy, and he tells about ten thousand jokes a minute. He laughs wow. at him all. He's got the Eyebrows like the Thunderbirds. Remember the public thing? They go, ho, 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 ho. No, I could not. I, when I met him, I couldn't. This is the pop dudes. And I couldn't believe. They were incredibly influenced. You know, just the idea that you could take Funkadelic and put it with Cat and Beef Hunt. Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. Why yeah, not? Yeah. See, but that was the old thinking. Things yeah, had to yeah, be the yeah. way it was. And the movement opened up a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wire, right? Yeah. You don't need a guitar solo. You don't need, your song right. could be 35 seconds, don't even need a chorus. Yeah, yeah. You know, these yeah. really simple things yeah. freed us. Yes. Well, I guess we've come to the end of our counterculture hour with Mike Watt, who I noticed Tab Felco introduced last night as Michael Watt. Only my mom calls me that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so good. It's Mike Watt. Just with me and her. Two syllables. Just with me and her. You know, Michael Watt. You know, okay, Ma. We can call him, we can rename him Mike 10,000 Watts Watt. Okay, thanks. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for listening to Research Conversations podcast with host V. Vale. Today's guest was Mike Watt. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 